So glad to get to come and be with you. When Pastor Tony called me, it was such a last-minute deal. I was like, how neat to... Uh, usually Labor Day doesn't get booked, so I was going to be home. And, uh, and when you called, I thought, man, that's just so cool. I love how your pastors keep up with end-time stuff. He knows more about it than most end-time preachers. Don't you love that? It's, it's proper and righteous that we'd be excited about His return. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be weird to not be looking forward to seeing Jesus face-to-face? That'd be weird, wouldn't it? Come on. So I know we'll get into a lot of that. And man, we're living right at the very end. Isn't it been just crazy things happen the last couple of years? But it's exciting. Just like uh, Jesus said, there'd be some things just before the tribulation. He said they weren't tribulation, but they're just before. He said there'd be famines, there'd be pestilence, there'd be earthquakes in diverse places. He said all these are the beginning of sorrows. That's the word birth pains. We don't say that really anymore. We say contractions. So Jesus said just before uh, 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 the tribulation, there'd be some things on the earth that'd get everybody's attention, just like a woman going into labor. How many of you ladies, when you went into labor, did you think, well, I'll go play golf today? No. No. When you went into labor, it started taking over and saying, hey, we're about to have a baby. So when that started happening, you weren't thinking, oh, contraction, contraction. No, you're thinking a baby's coming. So just as right now, we, we, as bad as things have been, don't think of contractions. Think of the kingdoms about to be born in the earth. So we have, we have, we have the, the season of, of Jesus being magnified, the season of him being presented to the earth as the king of kings and Lord of lords. How cool is that? I mean, the first coming so under the radar, born in a manger, born, born, I mean, born in a barn. I mean, come on, God himself. But my friend, this time you talk about the protocol, you talk about the entrance of the king, you talk about the earth. The Bible says that the heavens are going to fold back. All of creation is going to bow in adoration. Come on. The Bible says the earth even right now is, is groaning and travailing, uh, waiting for what's getting ready to happen. So we're living just before it happens. We should be thumping our neighbor. Come on, Jesus is about to come back. Hallelujah. So we're blessed. I love how normal your pastors are too. I get around them and they're so normal. Uh, The longer you're in this, normal is good. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, so, So glad you came today. So grab your Bibles and you just turn wherever you think I'll turn. I'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. No, I don't know where we're going yet, but you know, um, just the amazing, the time that we live this morning we'll get into how we can tell how close we are, then maybe tonight we'll get into the rapture. We'll get into a little bit about all of it today because we're so blessed to see it. How amazing to be in the church age when you can see it. That God put more verses in the Bible about this so that we'd have a heads up, so that we wouldn't get to this point and go, well, I had no idea. We're like, no, no, I can tell completely that we're there. And the amazing thing about that is the excitement of that. Now, I got in this in 1970. My mom took me to a meeting of Brother Hagen's in Shreveport, Louisiana, really where they had the headquarters for the Voice of Healing. As you walk in, there's pictures of Branham, pictures of A. Allen, all those guys from the 50s, the Healing Revival and all that. And then my mom got a hold of John Osteen, and we started driving to John Osteen's church from Louisiana to Houston, seven hours. I said, Mom, have you thought about going to a church a little closer? You know, because it kind of takes up your weekend when you go seven hours to go to church. But she was so adamant about hearing the Word. Do you remember when you first got a hold of the Word? You thought, how come people hadn't been telling me this before? When you found out you're redeemed from the curse of the law. You found out greater is He that's in you than He that's in this world. You found out that you're not moved by what you feel. You're not moved by what you see. You're moved by what the Word says about you. 
So look how cool God is in this generation. Back then, there were no Word of Faith churches. My mom got a, started a Christian bookstore, started a church in the back of the Christian bookstore. And uh, there were, now there's Word of Faith churches in every town all over the America. It's amazing. In 50 years, the gospel so increased to where town after town after town, Word of Faith, Word of Faith, Word of Faith. Why? God has a group of people <laughs> that He's raised up to be overseers in the next dispensation that know Him through His Word, not through their feelings. I know His character through His Word. He never changes. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. He's the same. Thank God uh, your dad's not uh, bipolar. I mean, wouldn't that be weird if, you, if God was just, well, I'm happy today, but tomorrow it's not going to be good. No, that, that's not cool. I mean, how weird. You, you, you'd never feel stable at all because you, you, you might wake up and dad's going through a little trauma. No, he, he's, he's, he's the same. And the further we get into this, we, we so honor Jesus because He let Himself be beaten for us. Come on, that's why we worship. That's why we shout. He let Himself be murdered for us. So that's why we're so appreciative. We're so thankful that all of what He gave us, you have this morning. You have it all. Remember the prodigal son when he came back? He told his brother, he told the other son, uh, everything I have is yours. Everything he has is yours. Peace of mind, health for your body, Come on, everything you have need of. So with all of that, we are that group just before the entrance into the millennial reign of Christ. So there's some things we've got to show this next dispensation. Think about it. You're the, you're the previews to the millennial reign of Christ. Well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right. Wow. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on, you know, I saw the previews to the new James Bond movie. Come on. The trailer was so good. I was like, I have to see this movie. Well, you're the trailer for the millennial reign of Christ. Yeah. Come on, can people see the freedom, the liberty, and the joy that you have? That's in His right. presence is fullness of joy. Yep. So we're, we're privileged and we're blessed. So let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. We've got a lot to get into. Father, we thank You for You giving Your life. We're amazed at Your kindness and Your mercy. This morning, we magnify Your mercy. We magnify Your goodness. We're in awe that you let yourself be beaten. But Father, you raised Jesus from the dead. So we celebrate Easter even this morning. Thank you for life everlasting. Jesus, 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 our conqueror, our king, our redeemer, so soon coming to the earth. So Father, we have some uh, marching orders. We have a, a thought pattern to walk with you before we are caught up. But we, we're so grateful that we get to look at things right now that shows us how close we are. So we, we magnify you, we honor you, we glorify you. Thank you for this season. I thank you for Faith Family. Lord, what you've given this church, uh, such a season of increase, a season of overflow, a season of joy, a season of victory, a, a season of, 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 of radical supply. We thank you for it, Father, in every area. In your wonderful name, Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. You know, getting into end times, uh, uh, it's weird, not weird, it's just cool seeing so many miracles. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was preaching this. Uh, I had a word of knowledge that someone had no feeling in the bottom of their mouth. The lady gets saved and had, had surgery 30 years ago, had no feeling, got her feeling back. The lady uh, said someone's knees being healed. The lady was going in for knee replacement, went outside, ran up and down the stairs, came in. Knee was perfectly whole. I was in Illinois two weeks ago, Mattoon, Illinois, and uh, I had a word of knowledge that someone had a, a, a metal plate in their head. And I just said, you're healed. <laughs> this lady came down afterwards and she, she said, yeah, I had a metal plate in my head. I still do. He said, but the screws were loose. I said, what? She said, I said, she goes, I, I have a loose screw. I said, wait, wait a minute. 
you, you have a metal plate in your head and you have a loose screw? She goes, yeah. I go, how do you know it's loose? She goes, I can shake my head. I can hear it rattling around. She said, you call that out. And I heard my, the thing go, Vroom, and her screw got tightened in her head. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Now, I've had weird words of knowledge. In Scott Webb's church, I saw a woman fly fishing, catch the hook in her eye. Bartlesville saw a woman get poked in the eye with a fork. I mean, I've had bizarre words of knowledge. Saw a woman go through the front windshield of her car one time. Saw a man working out in the pulpwood field. This tree swung around and the tree hit him. He rolled over, called it out, and the man came down and got healed. But I've never heard of somebody having a screw in their head and God <laughs> tightening the bolt up to the metal plate. So the doctor said, I got to take you back in, open you back up, tighten that screw. It's going to be weird when he takes an x-ray over and goes, uh, who tightened your screw for you? The Lord did. I mean, he, he's just good. He's just kind. He loves you. He loves you this morning. So grab your Bibles and we'll turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. And we'll look at that one verse before we get to what we're going to get into. And we'll look at how close we are to his return. Matthew 24. And we see symptoms of this. Now, remember, Jesus is answering their question. They're on the Mount of Olives and they're like, wow. Jesus said, you know, there won't be one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down here. And in the, just the view of the Temple Mount so impressive. It's just radical to be standing there to go. That's the Lord's address forever. So it's ominous just to go, that's where Jesus will reign forever. And we see Lucifer wanting that spot. We see turkeys. President this last year said the Temple Mount and Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Jews. It belongs to Turkey. Like, hmm, that's weird. Uh, I don't think so. I saw the Palestinians this last year say that uh, Big Ben in England belongs to them. So it's just nuts, though. I mean, the Bible says that the Antichrist is going to try to change dates and times in history. And you see uh, that, that satanic spirit right now trying to change history. Come on. It's just weird. Our own government passed the same day. God, I can't believe we're going to get into all this, but we'll get there. Here we go. The same day that our, our country passed same-sex marriage, it passed that if you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport. They want to take Israel away from, they want to take Jerusalem away from Israel, make it an international city. That'd be like saying if you're born in Washington, D.C., you're not American. No, you'd be even more of American. You're born in the capital of America. Amen. So it's just, it's just, just nutso. So Jesus is talking about the Temple Mount here. And the disciples said, hey, when shall these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And the Lord answered them with a different way I would answer it. I would have said, well, when you see the gospel going all over the world and you see all this. And Jesus answered with tribulation because he's talking to Jewish boys there. So God's going to give them a seven-year period of activities to get their attention. They might be so hard-headed, they almost have to have water turning to blood. They almost have to have asteroids to get their attention. But Jesus is just telling us what's going to happen. So watch what he says there. And I quoted it a while ago, but run down to verse number 7 and 8. Verse 7, he said, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. The word sorrows, there, I said it a while ago, birth pains, or we'd say contractions. Now mark in your Bible at verse 9. The tribulation starts in verse 9 and goes to verse 22. So Jesus is telling them what the earth is going to look like just before He comes. So notice He skips over the church age because the church age was a mystery. The rapture was a mystery. So you can't get your rapture doctrine from the Gospels. Let me say that again. Because I hear people on TV all the time teaching rapture things out of the Gospels and you can't find it there because he's, he's fulfilling the law. Uh, Paul said, I'm gonna, Behold, I show you a mystery. It's not a mystery to be kept from us. It's a mystery to be kept for us. So isn't it interesting? The second coming is documented all throughout the Old Testament, but the church age is not because it was completely unknown. 
How amazing that God has slipped this little uh, slot in of 2,000 years to raise up a group of overseers that are going to oversee all the natural generations forever. So whether you like it or not, you're going to do uh, some wonderful things during the millennium. Yeah. If you're faithful over so much, you'll rule over 10 cities or you'll rule over two cities. So, so you're writing your resume right now. Well, that goes over real good. Good night, everybody. Once again, praise the Lord. Start the car again. No, you're, you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. See, we're, we're just focused on right now. God's focused on your future. You're building for what you're going to be doing forever. So when you see all these things that point to His return, it just means there's, there's, we need to make changes. That went over real good once again, too. Praise the Lord. Wow. <laughs> How many glad you came this morning? Come on. <laughs> How many glad you're here and not in jail? Come on. Praise the Lord. All right. It's good to be in church, not jail. So well, why do we get into end time preaching? Paul talked about the baptism 12 times, coming of the Lord 52 times. For every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. So it's documented so we'd have a heads up. Why? He needs people thinking differently just before the coming of the Lord. Because you think about Daniel, saw you, prophesied about you. He said, you would know your God. You would be strong and you would do exploits. We in the old days, well, we'll let Brother Hagin do exploits. Let Benny Hinn do exploits. No, he raised you up to do exploits. Hallelujah. So we know our God. What does knowing your God bring? It brings peace. That, that there's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing impossible for him. Just, he, he's, just, he's more than enough. You get a mentality. So hang with me. I'm trying to say something before I get into all the signs and stuff. You get a mentality of radicalness in God. To where there's no limitation. I remember I was, in, I was in Topeka, Kansas years ago. Church of the Nazarene. This is like 1989. I was preaching along and the youth group was talking while I was preaching. And, you, and I, so, you know, you know, me as a crazy traveling guy, I would go right out there to the youth group, try to get them to stop talking. Because, you know, I don't, I, I used to do this when Mark Brzee would come preach at my mom's church like in 77, 78. He'd be preaching. I'd go like this. Hello, you're too and too long. I'd hold my tie like this and pull it up, you know. <laughs> so I'm used to young people doing crazy stuff because I did it. So I know I'm reaping it, okay. <laughs> so I couldn't get them to stop talking. So I walked back there. And as I got back there, they kept talking while I was right there. I thought, well, that's not working. So I said, okay, everybody under 21, stand up. So as they stood up, they still kept talking. I said, now, I said, you guys got to pay more attention than we do because the Bible says the young people will respond before the older people will. So, so you got to be quicker to respond. Well, that didn't even get them. Well, then I had a word of knowledge that someone had damage in their knuckles. I called it out. This lady came down. I'm thinking arthritis. This lady came down. She had one finger right here. These fingers were severed off at her knuckles. I said, Lord, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking arthritis, not no fingers. You know, I said, Lord, I thank you that uh, uh, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I thank you for new fingers for this lady. Boom, her fingers grew in right there. You didn't have to tell the youth group to get quiet when they saw that lady get fingers. Amen. It, it kind of it shuts everybody up. Because our generation hasn't seen that many miracles, but see, he hasn't changed. So God's raised you up to be this wild group just before He comes so that people can see His personality. Well, what is His personality? There, nothing's too hard for Him. Come on, kindness, mercy, goodness. Just His goodness and His mercy and His kindness. Who's going to be raised up to display that? You are. The amazing thing is, is we're there. We're, we're at the coming of the Lord. So grab your Bibles, run over to uh, Isaiah. And we'll get closer to what we're going to land on. It just takes me a minute to get there, but we'll get there. Trust me, here we've got to rock and roll. Let's do it. Isaiah 46. You know this, and it's so cool. Isaiah 46, look at verse number 9. This is page 819, if you've got a Bible like mine. 
He says in verse 9 of Isaiah 46, the remember the former things of old, I'm God, there's none else, I'm God, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So this is why we get into this. You go, well, why should we be hearing about the coming of the Lord? He said, okay, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. That's right. So a third of this book is prophecy. Think, 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 about, think about God saying, this is how you can authentic, bring authenticity to the Bible. I'm going to show you future. Ezekiel prophesied about the year Israel would be reestablished. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come. Hallelujah. So we're, we're blessed that our dad's already been there, done that, made the t-shirt. Now don't get mad at me. If you're talking to a Buddhist, if you're talking to a Muslim, their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. Pretty radical that you can go, nah, 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 my dad is God. <laughs> I'm try not trying to be mean, but it's pretty cool. So listen to this. I know you know this, and this is a ton of info, but we're almost going to get to the, how we can tell how close we are. But listen to this. I, I've done it before, but listen. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahilial means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings the despairing rest. So he gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. So we're, 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 we're blessed that he's watching over his word to perform it. So with all of that, you're living when more verses are coming to pass than any time ever in history. So that means you're a specialized generation. I hear people go, well, you just teach about the pre-tribulation rapture because you don't want to go through the tribulation. That's right. I'm not supposed to be here. Hey, amen. So, I mean, but I'm not afraid of the tribulation, but I'm not supposed to be here. It's all about dispensations. God owes Israel seven years of old covenant time. So he's going to take the church off the earth and repay them so that Jesus can present himself to his brethren just like Joseph did. I can't help it that I happen to be in the church. Okay, so whether I like it or not, I'm going to have to be caught up. I've got so much authority, the Antichrist can't even be revealed until I depart. So I, I don't mind that. I'm cool with that, so I'm going to depart. Paul even made a big deal of this, like, hey, what are you complaining about? You're about to be lifted off the earth. You're about to be uh, raptured. So as weird as that sounds, we're about to have a rapture. Hello. Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Jesus was raptured. The church is going to be raptured. How cool is that going to be? Because, you know, my weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. <laughs> if I was 6'4", everything would be perfect. So my weight is there. So i got a lot of stuff that's going to get fixed. Praise the Lord. Come on. Just think of getting a brand new body. Never get tired again. Never gain weight again. Come on. So we happen to be living right there at the time when this is going to happen. So let's get into this so how we can tell where we are. How can we know we're right there? Well, the rapture's signless. Second coming has about 65 signs. So if you look at all the signs of the second coming and then back up about seven years, you go, holy cow, we're about to leave the planet. Hello. So let's look at these things that give us confidence about how, where we are. Because in the past, we've been taught, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Well, actually, you can if you can read. Now, don't get, don't get mad. Let's, let's say you're driving from Omaha. Maybe you're going to go over to Des Moines, Iowa. How many miles would that be? Maybe 215, 230, something like that? 
So, so if you're driving from, from Omaha to Des Moines, the first sign says 170 miles, next sign says 110, next sign says 50, next sign says 30, you don't go, oh, I'm never going to make it to Des Moines. No, the signs are telling you you're headed toward Des, toward Des Moines. So, so we can look at things right now, this morning, that are factual, that are precise, that are exact, that are inarguable, that show us how close we are. When you see the, the players on the field for the Ezekiel 38 war, we know that happens just after the rapture. And you, you've, got, you've got Turkey in Libya teaching Hamas soldiers how to fight. You've got Turkey in Syria. You've got Turkey in Iraq. You've got Turkey in Greece. You've got Turkey where the Kurds are. <laughs> you had Turkey trying to take over the Kabul airport in Afghanistan uh, instead of uh, the Taliban ruling it. Turkey wanted to rule it. So why, why is Turkey doing that? They've completely surrounded Israel. Why is that a big deal? Because Turkey is going to help bring Russia down to attack Israel just after the rapture. So if you see them getting ready for that, you go, we're about to vacate the planet. Yeah. So grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, and let's go and prove this out. Go over to Luke chapter 21, and let's look and see where we are, because we're right there. Now, you think about it. Why can we be bold? The first coming was so documented. The first coming was flawlessly documented. Remember, it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. He'd be preceded by a messenger. He would enter into Jerusalem on a colt. They'd gamble over his robe. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. He wouldn't open his mouth before his accusers. They'd put a crown of thorns on him. They'd pierce him in his side. They would put him on a cross. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he was on the cross. You know what the odds are of all those prophecies happening in one generation? 480 trillion times a billion times another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, it's absurd to think that it happened by chance after so many zeros. So, so that's flawless. So there's eight times more about the second coming. So God loaded the verses there so you go, wow, I'm about to leave the planet. Now, why is that a big deal? I would hope the night before we're caught up, you'd be kinder. Can you imagine the Jesus is coming tomorrow? Whatever. Really? <laughs> now, this is the whole deal. Okay, Colleen and I are getting married. Can you imagine Colleen and I are getting married? There, there she comes walking down the aisle. She's in that dress, you know, beautiful dress made in Italy. I'm standing there. There comes my, my bride-to-be right there walking down the, the aisle in that dress. And all of a sudden, I look up, and she's been rolling in the mud. She's got mud all over her dress. So I'd be like, what happened? I'm standing there, and then she comes walking toward me. Oh, my God. Another one bites the dust. I'm marrying that guy. <laughs> Could you imagine her saying that as she's walking down? Like, here we go. This is really exciting. Now, see, that's the church right there. I'm about to be raptured. <laughs> Now, could you imagine? No, the night before you got married, there's an excitement. Come on. You're, 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 you're blissful. You're about to get married. The church is about to meet Jesus face to face, and most of the church world doesn't even realize they're about to meet him face to face. All the more, the volume of your voice has to be that much more. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. The king is coming. Come on. Now, how can we tell that? Let's go let the Bible preach for us. Go to Luke 21, and let's get there. Luke chapter 21, look at verse 24. These are verses you know so well, but Jesus is going to make it so easy to get this, okay? Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trod down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So Jesus makes it pretty clear. He goes, hey, when, when Israel gets Jerusalem back, time's up. 
So when did that happen? 1967. You know, the Six-Day War, what, a, what an amazing thing that was. You could tell all the stories from that. My favorite one, which is I tell, but I got many more, and you can Google it, called Against All Odds. They interview the guy I'm about to talk about, an Israeli cook. He, he, when, when 88 Egyptian tanks were coming toward Israel, and here he's sitting there going, what am I going to do? He got out of the kitchen, jumped into a tank, figured out how to load shells into that turret, and starts firing shells out of a tank toward 88 Egyptian tanks. Think about that. You throw me into a tank, I'm like, hey, where's the instructions? How do we do this? Yeah, well, he, he gets it and starts firing shells. The next thing you know, he's firing shells all night. The Egyptian commander comes out with a white flag in the morning, and he said, I'm here to surrender to the highest-ranking officer. And that Israeli cook said, highest-ranking officer, it's just me. He goes, oh, no, it's not just you. The whole night, the countryside was filled with tanks, with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night. We can't take it anymore. That's God. So 88, 88 Egyptian tanks surrendered to one Israeli tank. See, see, time's up. So Jerusalem's one back. There's many other miracles, just miracle after miracle after miracle. Uh, one time they walked right through a minefield. These winds blew in, exposed every single one of the mines. The Israeli soldiers walked right through the middle of it. Just Old Testament type stuff. Why? Because uh, in 67 is 50 years from 1917. And some really dramatic things happened in 1917. So one jubilee from that, you got Jerusalem one back. We'll get into a little bit more of that here in a second. But buzz with me down a little further. Go down to verse 29. Watch Jesus make this even clearer. What's a parable for? To make what he had just said make sense. So watch what he says in verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees. When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer... Our harvest is nigh at hand. I like this verse in verse 31. Likewise, hmm, in the same manner, you'd say, when you see these things, what things? The fig tree budding and Jerusalem being won back. When you see these things come to pass, you ought to circle the word no there. No, no, that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So why is Jesus saying this stuff? So you can know this. Didn't say you'd wonder. Didn't say you'd sense, which I have a sense in my spirit. We're close. I have an unction in my spirit that the Lord's about to come back. But here Jesus said, when you see these things, you can know this. Now, it freaks people out when you say know it. I'm quoting Jesus right here. He said, when you see these things, you can know what? That the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. You can know that the kingdom's nigh at hand. Now, buckle up. You ready for the next verse? Here we go. As bold as that is, he's going to take it up another notch. Look at verse 32. Verily I say unto you, this generation, what generation? The one that sees Israel regathered and Jerusalem won back. This generation won't pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow. Man, that's pretty bold right there. I hear people say, I don't believe that. It don't matter. I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Tag, you're it. You happen to be that group when those things happen. So we might as well just accept it and go, you know what? I'm that generation. So what do I need to do? I need to get more vocal. Do I need to get bolder? Do I need to get more radical? What do I need to do? Because I'm, I'm the last runner in a relay. Could you imagine being in a race? You train, train, train. You see the finish line. Hmm, let me see. What should I do right now? Could you imagine critiquing the finish line rather than hustling? No, it's time to hustle. You know, I'm a football freak. I love seeing football start again 
you know, college football. Could you imagine the quarterback not looking at the play clock at the very end? He comes right down to the very end. I'm screaming when I'm watching him on TV, look at the play clock. You've got hard, you've got eight seconds. They're like, do, 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 do. No, come on. When the play clock's counting down, you don't dink around. You, you, you snap the ball. My plays are more critical. Plays are more critical. You can drop the ball at the beginning of the game, but you can't drop it at the end. So we're looking at things that show you the play clock. Israel regathered, Jerusalem won back. Jesus said, the generation that sees that, you're it. So how radical is that? So if you go back to this, think about 1917. There was a few movies about 1917 last year. Remember, so 1917 is kind of a big year. What happened in 17? Well, the biggest thing that happened was a, a general from Australia named Allenby. He flew into Israel, and right before he flew in in a biplane, they'd never seen an airplane before, so this is going to be a sign to them. This airplane comes flying in. They passed out leaflets everywhere. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. Well, they had no idea that the name Allenby meant in Arabic, a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. Well, man, they dropped their weapons. Is that why would we fight against God? The land was turned over to Israel right there in 1917. Same year, Kenneth Hagin was born. The Lord appeared to his mother, told him to name him John. She goes, I don't like that name. I'll name him Kenneth. Don't you love that? God stands there and tells you, name your son John. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So, so she names him Kenneth. And what the Lord said to his mother, he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything, but a part. Because of, because of Kenneth Hagin's ministry, I've preached in, all over Switzerland, Lausanne, Longenthal, Basel, Geneva, Coeur, uh, name a town, Zurich, just in Switzerland because of Kenneth Hagen, sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. Germany, Italy, Na name a town in Italy. I preached there. Why? Kenneth Hagen, sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. Wow. Being John the Baptist. You know what Hagen means in the Hebrew? One to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. That's pretty radical. What's the definition is that? John the Baptist. Hang with me just a second, because I want to get somewhere. Hang with me just a second. Let me tell you, show you how amazing God is. I was with Mark Brzee in some of the 80s, and they were doing these prayer meetings in the latter 80s. Brother Hagin was doing prayer meetings on the latter rain coming to Europe. So these prayers were all praying for Mark and Janet, John's legs to the east. They kept praying out, John's legs to the east. Well, that was Brother Brzee going to go start Bible schools in Europe. And what those Bible schools did were kind of start something for Rama, and Mark Brzee closed them and let Rama come in right behind them and pick them all up. Now there's Bible schools all over the world. I mean, the German ones I used to go to, uh, you'd go, there's 15 people there. Now there's 700 people there. Paris, you'd go preach there in Paris, seven hours on Friday, eight hours on Saturday. They're clipping their nails. Now they're mad when you stop preaching after seven hours. I mean, it's just amazing. God's just, God's just moving. With the church in Paris, my mother preached there, I preached there, and my daughter preached there. Three generations in Paris. All because of Kenneth Hagin's ministry. Okay, listen to the names of the overseers that went to start schools for, for Brother Mark. Listen to this. John and Michelle Grunwald, guess what nation they went to? Germany. Tony and Patsy Caminetti, guess where they went? Italy. Tim and Vicki Kilstrom, guess where they went? Sweden. Chuck and Sheila Banks, guess where they went? England. Every one of their last names were indicative of the nation they went to. John's legs to the east. Brother Mark has a lady in his church. She's an evangelist and she died a few years ago and they defibrillated her and got her back. She's in heaven talking to Jesus and she saw Kenneth Hagin. She goes, oh look, there's Kenneth Hagin. And Jesus said, you mean John? 
So if you're, if you're supposed to be John, you're supposed to be John. You can run, but you can't hide, okay? So we're, we're a part of this. Uh, all of us are a part of this happening right now. Jesus is about to come back. Let me give you one even crazier, then we'll get into all the signs for a minute. Let me give you one from the, you want to hear one from the History Channel. The History Channel had it on there about Bishop Malachi in the year 1129 A.D. This bishop had the coat of arms for every pope that was going to be on the earth all the way up to the coming of the Lord. 114 popes, I guess it was. He got the coat of arms correct, 114 out of 114. Now, the coat of arms is super detailed, just like you see a, a crest from Scotland or England. The crest of a family crest is very detailed. This guy got the Pope's coat of arms, every one of them. You know what the History Channel said? Now, he batted, he batted a thousand. I mean, baseball, if you bat three out of ten, you make a pretty good living. The History Channel said this is statistically impossible. Only a God can do this. Now, why is the History Channel bolder about the coming of the Lord than the church? How crazy is that? Come on, the church should be bolder. Right. So let's go through this. Number one, you got Israel made a nation. Number two, Jerusalem won back. How can we tell we're there? Jesus said, the generation that sees that, you're it. All right, let's go through the next one. The next one, uh, the Bible says the Hebrew language would be restored. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now, everyone in Israel speaks Hebrew. Why? One guy, Eliehud ben Yehuda, said, you know what? We used to speak Hebrew here. Let's learn Hebrew. Now the whole country speaks Hebrew. Google it. You can't find them speaking Hittite, Amorite, Canaanite, but you can hear them speaking Hebrew. Just like your rabbi coming to do your picnic, he'll probably be speaking just like that. <laughs> Baruchatah. <laughs> Amen. So God, why did that happen? God said he would do that. You're getting ready to hear a series of things that God said, then God brought them to pass in your generation because the king's coming back. All right, so after that, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. How crazy is that? In one day, 18,000 are airlifted, just like you saw people getting out of, out of Afghanistan. Then in one day, in 1992, Israel sent C-130s down into Ethiopia and airlifted all these Ethiopians out in one day. CNN headline news, Chuck Roberts, said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. Right. Jesus is about to come back. Amen. Preaching. CNN had to, had to announce it like they were preaching. Chuck Roberts, an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Because God said, I'll bring them out of Ethiopia. Wow. There's a whole lot of things about that. Remember the Queen of Sheba? Sheba means seven. She went and met with Solomon. <laughs> what she bring Solomon after the house of the Lord was complete? 666 talents of gold. So what's the number after the house of the Lord is complete? 666. Man, you see the earth set up for the Antichrist right now. It's crazy. We'll get into a little bit of that later, but let's keep going. Okay, so you have, you have the Ethiopian Jews brought back. The, the, it's the first time ever an airplane had 180 on the manifest, and when it landed, it had 187. Seven babies born on that one flight. I mean, you talk about radical. That's why it eclipsed the book of Exodus, because it happened in one day. God's so good to show us event after event after event that He said you would see just before the King comes. That's pretty radical. Okay, what, what's one after that? These are all things that we can look at. The fertility of the land of Israel. Okay, Israel's the size of New Jersey, yet it produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Wouldn't it be weird if this morning you ate a banana? Made in New Jersey. Ate an apple? Made in New Jersey. Ate a pear? Made in New Jersey. Ate some grapes? Made in New Jersey. You go, man, what's up with New Jersey? God made the land so blessed that it overproduces. <laughs> I was on the Golan Heights one time, so in the northern part of Israel, <laughs> and uh, I looked at the grass. No one has to tell you where Syria starts <laughs> or Lebanon starts. It's dirt. 
It's lush, dark, green grass leading up to it. I asked my buddy, my Jewish friend, I said, do you guys sprinkler that? Do you use Scott Super Turf Builder? He goes, what? <laughs> to get my grass to look like their grass, I got to fertilize it. And I even called Scott's and said, you know what? Your fertilizer's not working. She said, we, we had to detune it for the environment. So you got to use twice as much fertilizer now to get my grass to look like it used to work. Used to look like. Because I want it lush and green. Israel's grass looks like that with nothing done to it. Because God's word said, I'll make the land blessed. So it's preaching to you the, the king's about to come. All these things we're looking at are just to show us the king's about to come. <laughs> Amen. We, we, we can get into a bunch more. Let's go through, let's go through a few more, then we'll, we'll, we'll get into things that happened last week. Okay, you had foxes this last year show up on the Temple Mount. That's Lamentations 5.18. Fish show up in the Dead Sea. You had the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. You had Israel be ruled by two Benjamins. That was prophesied in 2005. Last year, Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz decided to jointly rule. So you got tangible physical things preaching to all of us. Wow, the Lord's about to come back. But you, you can keep going. You can go on and on and on. There's like 60 some odd signs. So what does that tell me? I'm about to see the Lord. Now we know when He's going to come back. I believe He'll come back on a Feast of Trumpets. Uh, that's tomorrow. So we could be leaving the planet tomorrow. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. We could be leaving. I don't know about you. Every September, every Rosh Hashanah, man, I'm paying attention, Lord. I love you. I'm giving him a way offering. <laughs> I'm right here, Lord. I told him, I said, you better have your flux capacitor working because this is a lot of people to, to take from here to there. How cool is that? Whether it's tomorrow or not, one of these years it's going to be on Feast of Trumpets and we're going to be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortality. Come on, in, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The stain of Adam, the stain of Adam taken off of us. Wow, how cool is that going to be? You've borne the image of the earthy, you're going to bear the image of the heavenly. How cool is that? So, so here we get into all the stuff about how close we are. What, 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 what's, what happens when we find out about that? We, we, we challenge ourselves to run faster, not slower. All of this is not about escaping. I hear friends of mine that are preachers, well, you're just preaching on that because you want to not have to be here during the tribulation. No, that's not necessarily true. I'm just not supposed to be here. Think about that. It's called dispensations. I don't, I don't even mind that God's going to... Enoch handed off to Noah. <laughs> Elijah handed off to Elisha. Jesus handed off to the church. The church is about to hand off to the Jews. What freaks me out is I have Jewish friends that want to come meet with me, and they start telling me all about the Ezekiel 38 war. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know about the Ezekiel 38 war? They go, yeah, I know your doctrine. You're about to leave the planet. You're going to hand off to us. I'm like, what? You know that? Oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going to happen. See, that's how sharp they are. I had a buddy of mine lead a Jewish man in London to, to Jesus. Listen to this. This is, this is how this is all going to happen. He led him to the Lord, got born again, because my Jewish buddies, I try to get them saved, and they're just, it's just blank. They just don't get it. I'm trying to you know, tell them, I said, if Jesus is not your Messiah, you better start killing some animals. He goes, oh, we don't do that anymore. I said, you better do something to cover your sin. My buddy gets this friend of mine uh, saved in London. He gets Brother Hagin's book on how to be led by your spirit. Three days later, he walks up to me and goes, I have an unction to do this. I said, you have a what? He goes, I have a, I have a witness in my spirit to this. I said, you have a what? He said, I have an unction, I have a witness. So how do you know what that is? He goes, I've read Brother Hagin's book. When did you read it? Three days ago. So in three days, he knows how to be led by his spirit. So we're about to hand off to the Jews. You talk about a harvest. They're about to have 
The Bible says that the number that gets saved is innumerable. It can count a 200 million man army, but it can't number how many people get saved during the tribulation. That's pretty radical. Okay, so you have all these signs showing us how close we are. You have Wormwood, an asteroid that NASA called, labeled it Wormwood, and it's supposed to fly by in the year 2029. They said it'll be visible for three years before it gets here. Now, I was preaching in the Ukraine. I said the word Wormwood, and people gasped. I said, why did everybody gasp? It's the word Chernobyl. So you, you got all this stuff set up for the king to come back. I mean, it's radical. I'm watching the Animal Planet a few years ago channel. And this Israeli ornithologist, she said it's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. I'm like, what? Uh, I know what an ornithologist is because my brother was one. And she said it's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 different species start showing up in the land. She goes, we don't understand this. Man, I understand it. Why? Right after the Ezekiel 38 war, God calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later, calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up again. So the cleanup's crews in Israel. So you got fish in position, birds in position, foxes in position. You got Russia with nine bases in Syria, Afghanistan. America just pulled out of Afghanistan. Russia can come right down the corridor toward, toward, toward Israel. So Russia's in place. Who else? You got the Temple Mount Institute. Have you ever been to the old city of Jerusalem? The Arab Quarter, you can look at it and go, whatever I need to do, I don't want to be like them. The Arab Quarter has sewer, has trash, everything's just nasty. The Jewish Quarter, flawlessly perfect. Even if you didn't know what was going on, you go, I don't want to be like them, I want to be like them. Well, the Temple Mount Institute in the old city, they have everything ready for sacrifices. They have all the instrumentation. They have everything they have need of. Just a few years ago, they found the oil of anointing out where the Dead Sea Scrolls are. They took it to a chemist. He examined it. It's identical to the ingredients from the book of Leviticus. So you got the, the oil of anointing there. You've got six red heifers that are born there. They need them. So you have this Temple Mount Institute. Last year, they went out and had a sacrifice on the edge of the Temple Mount. The year before, they got arrested. This year, the chief of police got born again and said, I know they're supposed to be having sacrifices, so we'll just kind of turn our head while they do that. I saw the videotape. They took an altar out of the back of the truck, brought it right down, and cut a lamb's throat right there. I mean, it's just amazing. Why? Because they're getting ready to do that because it's going back to Old Testament time. So you have event after event after event after event getting ready for what's going to happen after we leave. Radical. Oh, there's so much more. You think about midway. Hang everybody with me for a couple more minutes. You got, you got, are you bored? Think about midway through the trib. The Bible says the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and say, I'm God. What a bummer moment it's going to be for the Jews that the guy you think is the Messiah all of a sudden is Lucifer incarnate. I mean, you talk about an uh-oh moment. So he walks in midway through the trib and says, I'm God. And the Bible says that the Jews go to Petra for safety. Well, look it up. Have you ever seen pictures of Petra? How many of you have seen the movie uh, Transformers? Dear God, I can't believe I've seen it. But I did a men's conference in Boise, Idaho, and that was the movie. After the conference, we were all going to watch Transformers. I didn't want to watch it. It was awesome. It was so cool, I watched the second one. <laughs> in the second one, they go into Petra, and it shows you those cliffs and stuff where the Jews are going to go for safety. There's no water there. It's dry, it's barren, it's arid. There's no water anywhere. Guess what? A few years ago, water starts coming out of the side of a rock. I saw the video. It comes spraying out right where there's a cliff. Water comes shooting out like Old Covenant. It comes and forms a perfect river right there for them. They don't go there until midway through the trip. They've already got a river right there in Petra for them. 
You have ISIS damming up the Euphrates River because the kings of the east are going to go over that river. So, I mean, you've got all this stuff happening. Well, Jesus is about to come back. I mean, it's kind of radical. Once you get through all the signs, one sign after another, it hits home that the king's about to come back. So let's go through some signals for a minute because the signals get even more radical. And then we'll uh, see what direction we go. Because we, we need to talk about the rapture a little. We'll get into more of it tonight. Isn't it wild that we're about to get a brand new body? We, we'll have raptor practice before we leave today. How's that? Won't that be cool? We'll just start, I'll just start jumping up and down. Here we go. No. Man, in the old days, you know, my mother would tell me in, in the early 70s, you know, the rapture's going to happen tonight. And I'm like, really? I mean, it freaked me out. She was serious about it. I mean, you, you think about how sweet the Lord is, though, to have fireworks for seven years, the tribulation, to get people's attention. Think about how much He loves people and doesn't want them to go to hell. That's right. That's Absolutely right. radical. So with all of that, you've got some symptoms of that with what we have blood red moons a few years ago. When were they? On tabernacles and Passover. I mean, so Passover is when He died for us. Tabernacles is when the second coming is going to be. So the heavens are going, I died for you, I'm coming back. I died for you, coming back. Pretty radical. When's the last time you had four in a row? NASA calls it a tetrad. Four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles. When's the last time? 1967, when Jerusalem was won back. 1948, when Israel's made a nation. Pretty crazy. 1492, at the Edict of Expulsion, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. Man, so, so blood-red moons signifying certain dates for Israel. Pretty crazy. And then after that, you have something we don't hear a lot of preaching on. That's the Bethlehem star. I mean, that, we don't hear hardly any preaching on it at all. But what's Bethlehem star? Jupiter, a king planet. Regulus, regal, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Venus, a mother planet. At the birth of Jesus, all three of those came together. You talk about a sign. Remember the Magi rode by camel for 700 miles? Now, if I got my buddies on a motorcycle ride, and I said, oh, by the way, when we get there, there's going to be a light show for you. After about 400 miles or 200 miles, my buddies would go, it better be the coolest light show you've ever seen, because this is a long ways to go on a motorcycle, much less by camel. They got there, and next thing you know, right when Jesus is born, there's Jupiter, there's Regulus, there's Venus. A couple of years ago on NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt said we have a celestial event. Jupiter, Regulus, Venus, Bethlehem star, first time in 2,000 years. Pretty radical. What was the constellation when Jesus was born? Virgo. What was the constellation uh, this last year? Leo. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So you got all that. You got the Revelation 12 sign. You got the woman clothed with the sun, cluster of stars, uh, crown, all that stuff. You know what? When that happened in Revelation 12 on September 23rd, you know what happened on September 23rd? Jerusalem was told they can't police themselves that someone else was going to have to come in to police legally and lawful in Jerusalem. you got the heavens signifying all these things that are connected to dates with Israel. Why, the king's about to come. Oh, come on, are you ready? Come on, come on. So, so this doctrine, the second coming, we're going to come back with him, but before we can come back with him, we've got to go up there to be with him. I hear people talk about the second coming and the rapture and they got it messed up. I'm like, no, the rapture, the righteous go up to meet him. At the second coming, the wicked are taken off the earth. It's the opposite of the rapture. Remember Jesus said, I'll let the wheat grow with the tares. And at the end of the age, the angels will be the reapers and they'll, they'll separate the, the wheat from the chaff. So you're watching the earth get ready to literally magnify the king. Won't it be something that all of a sudden the, the earth's going to bow in adoration? We're going to come back with him. What we should talk about, though, is you think about 
We're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we're going to go to horse flying school. I don't know how that works. But we're going to come back with them on horses? How cool is that going to be? I mean, you think about that. That's radical. We're going to, the view we have of the earth. The Bible says that the entrance of the king is so radical, there's no more mountains. The mountains break apart at the entrance of the king. Wow. What a time to be on the planet when all these verses are coming to pass to show us that we're about to leave. So, what, so what, what do we do about the rapture? How, how do we get ready for the rapture? Be in Christ. Be born again. Let your, let, walk holy. Walk with God. Be His friend. Let your relationship get white hot with Him. Uh, get even closer to Him, not further away from Him. How many of you, right before you got married, you talk more, not less? When you're engaged, you, my wife and I almost burned our cell phones up when we were engaged. You know what I'm saying? Because we, 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 we talk nonstop. No, the closer you get to, to, to the wedding, you don't, you don't drift apart. Your, your relationship intensifies. And you know, I, 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 if I can think like this, I know the Lord's got some cool stuff for us. On the day of our wedding, I lived in an old, old house down by Utica Square, this older part of Tulsa, kind of old 1920s style. My wife had her friends. They were all, all the bridesmaids. What do you call them? There's like nine of them getting ready. And one lady came in from California to do their makeup. So it's a big deal for them while they're getting ready. So I got a gift from Tiffany's for my wife. I had my best man take it to her while she was getting all ready. So while they're all getting ready, my best man took that to them. And then my buddy that plays the piano for Kenneth Copeland, he is in the backyard. I put a piano out there so he could play songs that my wife likes. So the day we're going to get married, she gets a gift from me from Tiffany's and she hears the music that she wants to hear just before we're married. If I think like that, what do you think the Lord thinks like that for you? Come on, he's got some wonderful things here just before we're caught up. And if we're caught up tomorrow or the next day, whatever, man, we'll have a great day today. Come on. How, how weird is that to think that we could be raptured tomorrow or the next day? Let that just get into your spirit for a minute. I mean, think about that. We'll get into all the stuff about the rapture tonight. We're, and actually, tonight will be in Aramaic, so get ready. <laughs> now we have all this happening, so it means time for change, time for change. The biggest change for all of our lives is about to happen. We're about to be transformed. Man, have a body fashioned like unto his body. The Bible says that we're longing to be clothed upon with that body. So think about the curse not ever being on you ever again. Think about talking to your grandkids or your kids. Uh, pressure, what's pressure? I don't even know what that is. Because Jesus is here. Wow. Okay, so I'm skipping over tons of signs and skipping over some of the stuff, but we're, we're there. Come on. I mean, you think about all... How, how many signs do we need before we obey God? You know what I mean? Because I'll hear people, the first thing they'll say, well, how, how are you sure? How long is a generation? I can give you the math in all the different ways. Usually it's the lifespan of a man now, and the Old Testament was 40 years. And if you want to get technical, in Matthew, the Bible says these are the generations from Adam to Jesus, and it was 53 years. So however you do the math, it's us. I'm not looking for reasons not to obey God. I'm looking for reasons to obey God. And what we should be living for, and I'm not preaching on it this morning, is the reward seat of Christ. I have a series out there called uh, Living for Eternity. Our whole thought pattern should be, are we ready for the judgment seat of Christ? Now that word judgment seat, that's a mistranslation. It's the word bima. It's the word reward seat. He wants to bless you, wants to reward you for your faithfulness. 
Man, think about that. All of a sudden, everything you've done for him with the right motive, you're going to get to adorn yourself as you go into the millennium. You're going to have robes that have stripes right here. You're going to have contrasting stitches showing that you went to church on Sunday mornings. There'll be another stitch right here for Wednesday nights. There'll be another stitch right here for soul winners. There'll be a stitch right here that you did things that other people didn't do because you, you're faithful. You, you are going to adorn yourself with your faithfulness. I've said it before last time I was here. You just want to make sure during the millennium you're not running around in a Speedo bathing suit. Because in Daniel, the Bible says we'll be clothed with glory and honor. That's the word regalia. Just like in the military, in the Navy, at night you wear whites. During the day you wear khaki. You're going to adorn yourself with regalia, with, with your faithfulness. Man, we still got time to obey God. If it's tomorrow, we don't have a lot of time. We need to do something crazy tonight. Come on. After church, we need to hit the mall. Praise the Lord. Hit the mall running. Think about it real quick. We're dismissed in just a second. Think about it. What, what, what's, what's going to be your thought when you see Jesus face to face? Wow. You talk about honor. You talk about power. You talk about dominion. I've had the Lord appear to me a few times. One of the times he appeared to me, guess what he told me? First time he appeared to me, 1987. Guess what he said? You know, I'm bawling like a baby. You know how we always talk about Abraham offered the Lord a steak. You know, he said, let me kill a cow. You know, they, I wish I would have said, would you like a Diet Coke? Can I, can I make you a meal? But you're so freaked out, you can't even think straight because you're bawling because of his goodness. And he says, I want you to preach on the coming of the Lord. That's right. I said, I don't want to preach on that. He said, it doesn't matter what you want to do. It's what you're supposed to do. Like, wow, Newman. So about three years later, I was in Michigan staying at some friends of mine's house, kind of traveling out of there, going all over different churches and all over Michigan. And uh, was in my buddy's study. He had these walnut walls of this cool fireplace. And I was listening to Sandy Patty tapes about Jesus because I like songs about Jesus. I don't like begging songs. I don't like, I hate begging songs. They're not worship. They're begging. That goes over real good. Good night, everybody. <laughs> so I'm listening to Sandy Patty. And all of a sudden, the presence of God comes in that office. And I just start crying. I thought, man, why am I crying? I'm a happy person. I'm just bawling because uh, of his goodness. I looked up, and there's Jesus standing right there, white robe, olive green sash, had his hands up against, behind his back, leaned up against my buddy's desk right there, just looking at me. And boy, I knew I hadn't preached what I was supposed to preach. No, he didn't have to go, you're a loser. He just looked at me. Now, I want you to get this. He wasn't critiquing me, wasn't judging me. That look he gave me was absolute acceptance. Man. Yeah, it's how much he loves you. Well, you know yeah. what? His goodness led me to repentance. I went to the next church. I think I ran over the pews, over the top of the pews, screaming, the Lord's coming back. <laughs> Let me just show you that he wants you to be a voice and a witness. We're getting into all this today. It's 1018. I'm going to stop right now. Why would we have to hear about the coming of the Lord? You know that, but have it in your heart so much that you comfort one another with these words. You can be ordering a quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, and a Diet Coke. And oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. What? It doesn't have to be weird or strange, but, but at some point we've got to lift up our voice. Could you imagine Noah getting up on the ark? Well, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I bet Noah was screaming so much that people thought he was crazy. We should be so happy that people tell us to break that pill in half. We should be so giddy. We should be beside ourselves happy because we're about to see the king. Whether it's this year, whether it's tomorrow or the next day or the next year or the next year, we're there. People who say, oh, can you really say that? I can really say that. On my EDU, people used to get mad. They send me emails. Don't say you think we have more time. Why do you say that you think we have more time? Because I think we have more time. <laughs> I don't think we have more time now. 
I don't think we have more time. Wow. Hmm. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads for just a minute before we go. Let's do a second of consecration dedication. Lord, we love you today. We're amazed at your mercy and your kindness. We're amazed that you're about to come back to the planet. We thank you for the literally what you've given faith family, Lord, for the last days. We thank you for an acceleration thought pattern in all of our hearts and our lives. And before we dismiss today, Lord, we, we surrender our lives to you with consecration, dedication. We, we commit this morning to doing everything you want us to do. With wholeheartedness, we'll walk with you and be your, your mouthpieces in the earth. Lord, use every person in this room. I thank you for that. Bless them, strengthen them. We thank you for encouraging them. Thank you for directing their path. In their pathway, there is light and there is no darkness at all. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, real quick before we go, I preached a little bit longer than I meant to. Is there anybody here you've never given your life to the Lord? Anyone at all? Wouldn't it be cool to get saved just before the rapture? Anyone at all? You're here and you've never given your life to the Lord. Don't be embarrassed, but maybe you're here and you've never done that. With the uplifted hand, say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to give my life to the Lord. How cool. Get, get born again just before we're raptured. Anyone at all? Looks like everybody's saved. Just don't want to miss anybody. Last few years, man, it's just been crazy the number to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. How about, how about you say, I'm here, but I've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You don't have to do it this morning. Just Jesus said you need it. You can do it whenever you want. I don't care. I was in Boise, three Sunday morning service, 30-some people each service getting filled. Wednesday night in Orlando, 30-some-odd people on a Wednesday night. Normally, Wednesday night is going to be filled, people. But see, don't be embarrassed if you're here and you've not gotten filled. There's a whole new generation coming in that have not gotten baptized. So don't be embarrassed if you want to get baptized today. Say, that's me. Pray for me. I'd like to get filled with the Spirit. With the uplifted hand, say, that's me. Good for you, sis. Who wants to join her? You want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I know there's more. Might as well. How cool would that be to get filled when the rapture happens tomorrow? How weird, how weird would that be when you get baptized the day before the rapture? <laughs> Amen. Anyone, anyone else at all want to join that lady? Don't want to miss anybody. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Amen, amen. What we'll do in a moment, Pastor Tony will dismiss and we'll have this lady and whoever else wants to come down with her. They'll, they'll be prayer partners down here and they'll pray with you. Be instantly baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. In Lubbock, Texas, had 58 people filled in one service. I, I didn't have room to pray for them because the church was so tight they had to get filled at their seat. Amen. Preaching on the coming of the Lord, not on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Hey, with that, some, hey, just real quick, we're, we're leaving right now. Someone got your, your, your tailbone bruised. You're being healed right now. Your tailbone bruised. This other thing is a whiplash. You know, you got some kind of, I don't, you know, you may not, may not be in a car wreck, maybe something else. I don't know, whiplash. Just take it. Amen. The other, the other one's a little weird, but, you know, I just learned, learned to call it out. I was at Monty Knudsen's church. I had a word of knowledge that someone can't write. I've never even heard of that. I said, there's somebody here you can't write. I said, you're healed. This man came up to me afterwards. I was talking with some friends. This guy starts bawling like a baby. I thought maybe I said something to offend him. He's like, ah! I'm like, what? I thought, what did I do? He goes, I've never written before in my entire life. He said, you called that out, and I wrote a poem about the coming of the Lord. He had something like dyslexia, but there was another name for it. So just because somebody doesn't go, thus saith the Lord, you are being healed of your speech problem or writing problem. No, I mean, it, it can be low-key, and people still get healed. 
I say that because there's someone here, your, your carotid artery, you got some kind of trouble in your carotid artery is being healed right now. This artery in your throat being healed right now. Amen. Devil's a liar, pants on fire. Amen. Let's thank Him before we go. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy. Thank You for what You have for us. Lord, we're so excited that we're about to see You. We magnify You. We glorify You. We honor You. We lift You up. Hallelujah. Father, whether it's this year or next year or the next year, we magnify You and glorify You and honor You. Jesus, be lifted up as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen.